Hello, good evening, and welcome to The Game Is About Glory. I'm your host, Steph, and joining me tonight are Ram and Gareth. Hello, chaps. Hey, Steph. Hi, Steph. Excellent. How are you both? Good? Yeah, it's, a good, it's, it's been a good weekend. It has indeed been a good weekend. And uh, Milo is unavailable for recording. However, rest easy, dear listener. He is in the editing room to make sure we all sound both intelligent and exciting or uh, something like that. I'll take either one at this point. <laughs> it would be a great victory. But anyway, uh, yes, as you uh, you did say it was a good weekend, Gareth, I will say it, a great weekend um, with today's victory over Everton at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium just a few hours ago, um, a 2-0 victory. In what has been another gruelling week in this gruelling month of what will be a, yes, gruelling season. Um, you know, these are all going to be gruelling games. There's no easy takers. And uh, we did indeed get the job done today. Um, we'll discuss how that happened shortly. Uh, we will also be looking back at our topsy-turvy 3-2 home win over Eintracht Frankfurt, which put us top of our Champions League group and in charge of it. But let's start, as we always do, gentlemen, with the week that was. Google Sponsorship. The smiles on your faces tell me that you're delighted about this, aren't you? I mean, we're happy uh, with the news that David Ornstein broke on Monday that we're in meaningful talks with Google over naming rights for the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And look, I think we'd all agree it's, it's, it's a pretty big coup if we pull it off because they're one of the biggest and best known companies in the, companies in the world. And the figures from you know, comparable deals suggest that we could expect a lot of money. Maybe the majority of our loan repayments on the stadium get covered and maybe it frees up further money to invest. But chaps, are you happy with this? And you can answer it in a micro and a macro sense. I'm really happy. I think this is the sort of deal that's synonymous with like elite level clubs. And that's the direction we're hoping to get to. So it's a massive step forward there um, for sure. Yeah, I am as well. I, th- I think Google is a fairly inoffensive brand and organisation. I think there are perhaps plenty of companies that we have been linked with over the past and you think, mm, not quite sure that, quite comfortable with the association that that might bring. Um, on the other hand, I'm a little bit concerned by the memes that are going to be and videos and uh, social media jibes that will be easily manufactured as a result. But if, if you stay off Twitter as I do. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm going to have to Google that. Oh. You see, it's going to be full of that, isn't it? And it's going to be all of that stuff. You're right, Gareth. But you know what? We'll just be able to look back and say at least we're getting a huge investment into our club yeah. uh, whilst feeling relatively clean and smug about it, I suppose. It'd probably be the upshot. Yeah, I think we'd have to agree. And yes, uh, it will be a step further in me conquering my football hypocrisy or, or hypocrisy in general, because I will now tell you I think it's fantastic. And Google Stadium is fine. Wonderful. Whatever. Great. Let's march forward. Let's see this club continue to grow. So let's hope it happens. Harry Kane. I mean, we we have commented in the past on this pod that Harry may not be the most dynamic of individuals, but crikey, he is growing uh, exponentially in that regard. And on Monday, he announced the launch of the Harry Kane Foundation, uh, which is ostensibly a, a mental health uh, charity, uh, which is fantastic. And Harry said in a series of tweets to announce the launch, I'm very proud to launch the Harry Kane Foundation. It marks the start of a journey for me as my foundation aims to transform a generation to thinking about mental health. I want to learn more help normalize conversations around mental health, promote positive habits that support mental well-being and tackle the stigma surrounding the subject. I will use my profile to encourage others to look after their mental health, be their best and know that it's okay to ask for help. 
I'll be working with some amazing organizations and causes close to my heart. Some exciting activations are launching today on World Mental Health Day with more to follow. Chaps, a brief comment on just how excellent uh, this move is by Harry. He strikes me as a human being who's matured as a as a person and you know no doubt having three children three children will definitely have had an impact on that as well he seems a bit more comfortable in his own skin now and a bit more comfortable to talk about issues that are important to him so you know fair play to him we still as people senior to harry i think can appreciate that you don't just become a fully grown mature human when you're 18 and you know it can take us well into our thirties and going beyond that. And if this is the point where he's comfortable and in enough in his life to launch something that's a really important cause to him, then fair play to him. Yeah, I was someone who in the past has rather unfairly accused Harry of being slightly vanilla when it comes to say social justice issues in and out of football. Um, but ultimately he's a footballer, so he doesn't really have to do or say anything other than kick a football and talk about how he kicked it afterwards. Um, what I do think is he takes his position as a role model for young people very seriously. Um, and this is just a wonderful statement of intent by him um, of how he wants to use his profile both in the present and in the future. So big respect to him. Yeah, as you said, for him primarily about kicking football and he kicks it very, very well. And what's really exciting is that now, as you said, Gareth, he's maturing into a person who maybe wants to do uh, that level of service to the work, you know, with his position. It's great mm-hmm. to see. Very exciting. Um, and just a footnote, I don't know if, if you haven't seen it. Um, there is this wonderful video uh, that he did where he kind of talks through his own um, insecurities and overcoming insecurities. There's a really uh, excellent animation that goes with it. And he walks you through the, the battles he's had in his own uh, career and his own mind, I suspect, to get to where he got to. And Gareth, you said they showed that in the stadium earlier today. Uh, both, of course, both you and Ram were there uh, to, uh, today. I wasn't. Uh, I didn't see it. Yeah, they showed it twice. They showed it before the game and during halftime as well. Ram was not there today. He's shaking his head and looking at me and saying, get your facts right, you absolute muppet. But of course, you're a season ticket holder, so I think you're always there. You were there yeah, in spirit. I was. Anyway. I always But am. check the video out, folks, if you can. It's still online. Uh, Monday was a busy day for Harry because he also popped up on CBBS to read The Lion Inside by Rachel Bright on Bedtime Stories. And finally, fabulous fabulous fabio paratici had this to say on harry kane's future this week kane is the symbol of this club the best scorer in history and captain of england in case you didn't know we are confident and always in contact there is a great relationship between him and the club we are very optimistic which we on the game is about glory believes in para language it's in the it's in the bag lads we got him again for a long deal right are we going to conclude that <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think I yeah, think that's be reading between the lines. Yeah, <laughs> that is re- Gareth, are you joining us on this optimistic wagon? Yeah, I, I am. I think it's probably a bigger conversation for another day. But I think the landing spots that he maybe felt he would have had a couple of years ago aren't available. And of course, he's got much more to be positive about at Spurs at the moment. And um, you know, whilst we're not here to provide a platform for other podcasts, certainly the view from the lane who have got very well connected journalists within the club have suggested this week that the mood music from the club is is very positive that a deal will be reached. My word folks, I'm just gonna tell you that with that statement from Gareth, 
it's more in the bag than anything Paratici <laughs> said. That's as close to a confirmation as you will get that Harry Kane is signing for another 15 years for Tottenham Hotspur Football Club. <laughs> I nearly ran out of breath. But chaps, before we go, what was or is your favourite bedtime story to read to the kids? Um, well, yeah. I mean, Ram, this is obviously something you will have maybe just started to do and will have another few years of doing. But the line inside that, that Harry read on CV, which I watched with my daughter on Tuesday night, actually, is one that we've got at home. I Absolutely. like books that have a, that rhyme. I find them quite easy to read and they've got a nice momentum and flow about them. And what I don't like reading is The Faraway Sodding Tree, which is maybe a classic, but it's absolutely Sorry, fucking boring. did you say, is it called The Faraway Sodding Tree? Is that a children's <laughs> book? That, that's, that's what I refer to it as, yeah. Blimey, I'd like you to read that to me one night. It sounds infinitely more interesting than the book itself. Anyway. <laughs> um my boy is nine months. We're not quite. We're not quite at the stage of reading bedtime story. Bedtime stories, but one I do quite like reading to him. I can't remember the name of it, but it's about having a T Rex as a pet. So, uh, so he says, "Oh, you can Brilliant. have a dog or a cat or something, but really, you want a T Rex." It's got lots, lots of lovely pictures and how, 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 um, how you'd keep a T Rex in the house. Uh, I think I enjoy reading that just as much as uh, Bear does looking at the pictures, <laughs> and it rhymes, Gareth. Yeah, Very good. good. No, that's what that's what's helpful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna I mean, there's some real rec- classics out there. So um, Not Now Bernard was one that I bought to read to my children because oh, it's one I remember from childhood as well. Yeah. Although it's, it's quite dark, actually, as a lot of books of that yeah. era actually are, if you look at the meaning and uh, his meaning of them. <laughs> let's, not, let's not do that. Let's keep it light. Uh, I'm, I'm going to suggest uh, to both of you that you get Spike Milligan's Silly Verse for Kids, which has uh, some absolutely superb poems, one of which I will repeat, and this I'm sure will get edited out but i'm going to read it anyway spike milligan uh one of the things he has in there he's talking about the wind and his granny it blew on man it blew on beast it blew on church it blew on priest it blew the wig off auntie fanny but most of all it blew on granny what better that. a way to segue <laughs> into today's game against everton <laughs> i'm not quite sure i don't think there are any grannies present i don't think there was much wind even in the stadium but uh a 2-0 victory uh let's cut straight to it um chaps the team selection uh what did we think and how did we think we played overall i mean i'd like to try and break it into first and second half so maybe how did we play you know in the first half okay so i think we played up fine in the first half it we didn't create much but i don't think that was because of previous criticisms around particularly slow intensity and being too passive. I think to be fair to Everton, they set up quite well to defend against us. So they had a very deep um, midfield three of Iwobi, uh, Idris Agay and Unana. They kept it very compact so we couldn't play through the middle. And then having got the ball wide, we then struggled because Tarkovsky and um, Connor Cody are very good at defending crosses. So I think Everton was set up very nicely to defend against us. Yeah, Ram, what did you think of the actual selection when you saw it? I think in hindsight, I'm really glad Conte didn't do this, but I wondered whether this game might have been an opportunity for a skip or a Basuma to cut, to start in place of one of the two regular um, centre midfielders from this season. Um, obviously, in hindsight, uh, yeah, it, it was he made the right decision, but I wondered whether Everton at home might have been a game we could have kind of been a bit maybe... Um, you know, we, we we rotate the the but the back the back line a fair bit, but I wondered whether further forward we could have we could have done that. But um, other than that, 
I think it spoke for itself. Doherty was always going to come back in because um, Royale's uh, suspended and also, you know, and also he played in the Champions League. And then Perisic and Fasses, who I think started the last two games, hasn't he? He has. Uh, and, you know, let's talk a little bit about that. Everton sat so deep. It was almost, you know, it was a, a bit of a, a flip. They were inviting us to make the play. They were inviting us onto them. The game was in virtually in, in their half the whole game, the whole first half, rather. Did you still feel confident that we were going to win the game in the end? Uh, did you still feel, ah, yeah, you know, they're going to tire. They're going to wear down. We're going to wear them out. We're going to find a way. Or were you starting to get a little queasy as halftime approached? I was only queasy because the one chance Everton created was through a mistake. And I think the last couple of games, we have made the odd mistake that have been quite costly. So Frankfurt, the first goal on, on Wednesday night was, was through a mistake. I mean, as it, as it proved, the, the mix up between it was, um, Romero and Heuberg was just an isolated incident. And so fortunately Everton didn't take it. I never really felt that Everton were going to score. Uh, and I felt that we would create a chance eventually and having got ahead, we'd probably be all right. And that's kind of how it panned out. Yeah, I think there's always the worry there um, that if, if you know, we haven't been able to uh, break a team down uh, who have looked very solid, you know, that Everton are a very stubborn team this season and they have a very good defensive record. So the the possibility was always there that we'd get sneak attacked. And um, and, I, and I did think and when we went into the second half and we went 1-0 up, I was comfortable then uh, and I thought only a self-inflicted wound would get Everton back in the game, which, you know, we are, we are capable of doing, um, but we're also very capable of seeing games out now as well, especially under Conti. So, um, so yeah, it, in a sort of polar opposite to the last sort of 10, 15 minutes of the Champions League game, I thought we were, uh, we looked very comfortable and very assured. It was nice to see Matt Doherty, uh, you know, back in and doing what both he uh likes to do best and what the manager likes him to do best, which is be assertive, strong on the ball, um, looking for opportunities to get into the opposition penalty area. And uh, you've got to feel as well on the other side that Ivan Perisic probably had his best game for us, I think, in the Premiership. Um, incredibly consistent. Um, so nice to see them both firing. Let's talk a little bit about uh, Davies returning. My feeling was that he certainly helped Perisic have um, such a strong game. Um, how did you see that? And how did you see... Doherty and Perisic today. Give us your views. Um, so yeah, Doherty, very good. He um, he really looks like a player who's in full confidence now. So this time, or when he first started getting picked as a right wing back, he was still seemed a bit reluctant to do anything other than just to give the ball back to where it came from. But he, there were two situations today where he drew a foul. So A won us a free kick in a good area and which resulted in a yellow card for an Everton player as well. And that came because he was really confident to know that as soon as the player came in to tackle him, he just knocked the ball past them and then, and then got cleaned out. Uh, his first touch was really good as well. There were a couple of instances where the ball just landed and his first touch took him past the defender and, and into space. And I don't think it was a coincidence that the two chances we created in the second half, what second of one was his shot, which we then got the penalty from. But the first one was a switch from Perisic when Kane hit the volley, which Pickford saved. So they were diagonal crosses in there. And that's because he's so strong attacking the far post. And it's just something that he gives us, which is quite subtle that you don't get from Emerson Royale. Yeah, Doherty's a lot more... Um... 
he uses he uses the pitch a lot more than Royale, and and he he gets himself, uh, you know, he gets himself into positions that Royale does also get into at times, but he does it a lot more consistently, and he does a lot more with the ball once he's in that position. Um, I'd love to see Doty uh, get a, a run in the team, you know, because I think um, I do think he's he's the better player out of the two of them for what he Conte expects of that right wing back. Um, with Perisic, I agree that. Probably one of his best games for us, uh, certainly in the Premier League. And Steph, you mentioned about Davies, and I think I think that does make a difference for Perisic because Davies is able to operate as a left left centre back, as a left wing back, and as a left back, which means he can read the game in multiple layers on that side. Um, and I think Perisic knows this, and um, and that gives him more freedom to do what he does much better than defend. Um, and that's maraud down the wing and cut in, um, knowing that Davies is behind him covering all bases. Yeah, I believe so. I also believe, um, I think I'm probably going to be the only person on tonight's record who thinks this, but the the facial hair balance of our wingbacks is perfect. I think the goatee moustache routine that each of them have is the extra detail, which gives us total symmetry in either wingback position. That's an insight you will not get on other pods. Maybe you'll ponder why that is in a minute but no probably not actually <laughs> i think i think that it's little details like that steph which give us that extra 0.5 to 1% that other teams don't have yeah i mean you see milo mentioned it last last week when he when he compared him to rob from the stereo mcs and it really got me thinking number one i have been off my game this season we've been so serious about the tactical formations in show and we're missing these fine details which make us um you know a little different, a little special as both a football club and perhaps a pod. And so I paid special attention to that. And I think it, I think it counted for something today. Both of them incredibly strong uh, to the point where actually I didn't think Antonio was going to let go of Matthew yeah. when he subbed him at the end. That's got to be one of the biggest <laughs> hugs of the season. And, 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 and Doherty was laughing when he left the hug. And it must have been because Conte was saying to him, now you're the player I know that you, you can be. Yeah. Like, you know, if, yeah. When you get a hug like that from Antonio Conte, it means something because you it's know that he, he, doesn't, he doesn't do stuff like that unless he really means it. No, it was hard earned and well earned <laughs> indeed as it was. Um, mm. You know, so we go into the second half and, uh, you know, the, the conundrum of support wanting something to happen versus a manager who sees every Everything on the training pitch week in week out sort of was was building to a bit of a head I think there was frustration because it was nil nil and people forget that this is how we play in our three four three and so on but then suddenly that really unfortunate um injury that Richie suffered to his calf which by the way uh, apparently left him fairly distraught um and he's going for a scan tomorrow and you know it's probably going to determine whether he makes the world cup or not we we all really really hope that obviously he makes that but it did push antonio to a 352 simply because he didn't trust lucas's fitness bisuma's that much further along bisuma came in uh chaps do you think that eve's subsequent performance will have convinced Antonio, that three five two is actually the option when Decky or even Richie are not fit, because it was probably his bet. Well, he was unequivocally his best performance for us. I think. I think the telling part of what you said, Steph, is when Richarlison or Decky aren't fit, um, because I don't want to get carried away with the you know um, switching everything Conte believes in into into the three five two. Because I will say, every time we've used it, we've looked great. 
Um, you know, but I think that's more a case of because of the, the players we have that, you know, having Son and Kane up front yes. in that too. Um, so I don't want to get carried away. I will say I think it's fantastic that we have it as an option yes. and Conte is willing to utilise it. Uh, which is which is showing he's willing to change. We've looked, you know, we've looked very good every time we've used it. I just think if I push for it to be our default formation, we'll end up being exposed because we don't have the specific players to make that work on a regular basis compared to a three-four-three. Yeah, well, I think the variety is really important, and the Brighton manager alluded to it last week. He said they prepared their team in an hour before he realised that he'd probably got it wrong, and then it took him. 15 minutes to change it once the game had started, which was, which was quite crucial for us last week. So if this is going to keep teams or opposing managers guessing, are they playing 3-4-3? Are they playing 3-5-2? Cause it is a different dynamic. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm amazed quite how wide Hoiberg and Benton could play in that 3-5-2. I mean, it's not quite, um, Anderson and Ginola width, but they do really get within about 10 yards of the touchline for, for, for most of the game in certainly in possession of the ball um so i was i mean but actually my, my colleague next to me when richarlison went off um my colleague said oh I th- i'm sure it'll be basuma coming on now and i think that's what we need and i actually disagreed now how wrong i proved to be because i felt that what the game didn't need was maybe another central midfielder in an area that was already congested it was the exact concern i had but i i trusted Conti to know that he wasn't going to end up with a third sort of flat maybe caution first midfielder and that he must have seen enough in Bissouma in the last game or two and in training to know that he's finally reading what we need from him in that role properly and and to be fair it's as much about what he doesn't do that allows Rodrigo and Pierre to go forward as it is what he does do. And he also did show that today. I thought his timing of movement was was brilliant. He knew when to surge. He had that one 30-yard surge in the second half, which was wonderful. Um, Yet, I think finally, Bentecourt and Hoybier know that they can be more adventurous and take advantage of that extra man in midfield because they know that he knows yeah. what to do. And 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 it's th- these are the things that, that you know people don't see. The managers no. see it, the coaches see it because they mm. work with them all the time. But yeah, it was that was my concern, and I just thought, ah, oh, he must have seen enough. And sure enough, he had. I, I was I was really yeah. impressed, and you know, it was a, it was a fine move, and it, it definitely it broke the game. We played hard for that ten minutes. We took the goal. And then we managed to sit back and soak up again, which when you're looking at games in the context we are, it's a run of games, physical, in you know, tough, tough time. It's great to be able to do that, I think. Would you agree? There are some people who are like, no, you should push and push and push. I think controlling a game the way we did today is, is I think it's, it's proper, proper class. So once we scored, you, you could tell that Everton were really a bit of a rabbit caught in headlights because they probably knew instinctively that at some point they needed the ball, but it felt very much the, the tactic was them was just to stay in the game and still be one nil down and then stick Rondon up up front and hope they could get some set pieces and make something stick right at the, at the end, which they, they couldn't. So we still ended up with 62% of possession of the ball over the whole game and it felt like probably for a good 15 minutes after we scored that actually the pattern was we were just keeping the ball and playing it very simply from side to side and say Everton yeah. didn't really try and engage the ball or, or try and win the ball back off us or, or try and force anything. Yeah, totally agree. And I think um, I just want to go back to Basuma as well again. Like I think he looked every inch the player we need him to be. 
um, yes. and we and, and why we bought him. And he was so strong and driven when he came on. I think Steph, you and I both were quite impressed by one particular passage of play with him when he got the ball back. I think off an Everton player, and we both just yeah. uh, texted in the chat saying, yeah. "Oh, that I really enjoyed that." You know, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And he kind of pushed on from there. That was like quite soon after he came on. Yeah. Um, and it does give license for uh, you know the the other the other two midfielders to kind of do what they're also strong at, which is um, which is get forward which I don't think either player gets enough credit for. Um, so, yeah, and, and like you said, Gareth, I think having that as an option and as a surprise element really, uh, really is, uh, is, a, is a good option for us. That Arsenal game, when we went to, uh, I think, did we go to 3-5-2 and then we equalised? And then we were going to go back to 3-4-3, I think. But then they 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 uh, scored again, um, and it was just a shame. But we being able to utilize that in in mid game as well, you know, and then go back to a three four three and just keep the opponents guessing. I think yeah, um, it's all it's sort of like coming to fruition. Uh, yes. All all the things that Conte's kind of want, wanted out of this team, we're slowly they're starting to see. They're learning, you know. Again, with the greatest of respects to Brighton, it is another. It, 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 we're another level of club. We're another level of intensity. We're another level of concentration. All of it, and it takes any player time to adjust to that, especially to this manager's standards. And Antonio said that in the press conference afterwards about Bissouma's performance, and that suggests to me that he is very happy that he's finally seeing it for Eves. Um, before we move on to shine the spotlight of praise on the fantastic pair that are. Uh, Pierre-Emil Hoybier and Rodrigo Bentancourt have to ask you about Harry. I mean, it is his 400th appearance today, marked it with a goal. But let's talk about the pen. It was a smart penalty for me. He knows Jordan Pickford inside out, back to front. The second Pickford fumbles that ball, he knows there's an opportunity to be had there, right? Are we comfortable with that? Is that modern football? I, I, I don't even think that's modern football. I think, you know, it was a pen. Harry absolutely played for it, but contact was made. Um, yeah. The fact that VAR were done and dusted within seconds and there wasn't loud complaints from Pickford says it all. And even Lampard in, um, you know, in, in his presser afterwards, he said like, Harry's a clever player. And he said, and I mean that not in as a dig. I mean that with the greatest of respect, you know, and, and Lampard knows. Lampard's one of the greatest players that ever played the game, you know, and he, he would have done the same thing. I'm glad you pointed out that Lampard did make it very clear he wasn't being disrespectful. He was being honest and accurate because he was. And when you mm. actually listen to him say it, he is being completely respectful and upfront. And I, I think he's right. So, mm. yeah, I think some people have got to be under their bonnet about that comment. But you're right. In context, he said it as it was. Yeah. he. I mean, he was saying it in the context for me, or at least the way I took it, that I would have done the same thing. And, yeah. and, you know, and, and that's what the best players do. They, they create opportunities like that. They, they read the game. Harry knew that, like you said, exactly that. The moment Pickford looked to have fumbled it, he was in there and he was like, he's going to make contact with me. I'm going to get a pen. <laughs> and, and you move. saw when they were both sprawled on the ground, like Harry just looked at him and Pickford looked at him and like, they, you know, Harry just kind of shrugged, like, well, what did you expect? They almost. <laughs> laughed at each other yeah, actually yeah. it was sort of a it was the knowing look of two professionals who work together a lot in for their for yeah. their country and it was like you did me like a kipper <laughs> i mean it's kind of the look and pickford was sort of like well that's who i am i i yeah i, I have these moments <laughs> it was yeah it was good actually it was good value yeah um, i thought it was interesting that the last four penalties that came in fact the last five penalties that Kane has taken in the Premier League have all been against England teammates 
So oh, you had Ram- right. yeah. Rams- Ramsdale for wow. Arsenal, uh, Henderson at Forest, who perhaps got the better of him, uh, and Nick Pope at the end of last season for Burnley. And he's scored his penalties. He's one to the left, one to the right, and one down the middle as well. So that just that variety of penalty techniques that he's confident about as well is why he's now eight goals away from being our leading goal scorer of all time. What a penalty. I, I felt that Pickford yeah. was going to guess the right way, but I just, just thought, Harry, if you if you can larrap that through an, his tiny hand, he's not going to get, not going to be able to keep it out. It was a wonderful penalty, wasn't it? It was really good. I can't and, help but sing. I won't sing it, but Ramsdale to the left of me, Henderson to the right, here I am straight through the middle of Pope. <laughs> I quite would like to hear that in song, actually. <laughs> yeah, I'd quite like to hear that. If you feel like breaking that out at the end of the record, please do. We'd love to hear it. Maybe you, Milo you, will make an appearance with a glass of wine. You and, are the musician. And... <laughs> uh, well, he's already made an appearance on the 26 minutes. So let's not, let's not, uh, he'll, don't worry, he'll be back. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I invite you to sing it. We need more song at this day uh, and this pod. I think we need to up our musical game and you are a musician. So please save everyone from me singing. We did say we were going to talk about Pierre and Rodrigo and boy, oh boy, I have to tell you that might be my favorite goal of the season because it featured the two of them in full flight and Pierre with that lovely little body swerve and being cued enough to just place that wonderful curling shot off Iwobi's leg to give it the extra bit of schadenfreude, Iwobi, of course, being an ex-gooner. I mean, could it have been a more perfect finish from Pierre? I do not know. But chaps, we loved it, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really, really well worked goal. I've got to say, first time I saw it, I thought it had taken a slight deflection, but actually I was really doing Pierre a disservice because he picked the spot that he wanted to put the ball in and he did it magnificently. Um, I mean, I find him such a, such a malleable footballer that I think he does whatever his managers have asked him to do. And, you know, I start to wonder, is his ceiling higher than perhaps we thought it would be. He's played in a number of different roles and a number of different functions and he's asked to do different things. And so certainly in that three five two system, he almost becomes an auxiliary left winger sometimes, which looking at him... You... He's like Danish architecture. He's, he's kind of, you know, radically modern, free form, and he's sometimes got an incredibly high amount of ceiling space. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Who knows? It... <laughs> yeah. I, I think that... Um, I think because of the way... Hoybier looks, you know, he's he's uh, kind of got that the tattoos and the and he shouts a lot and things like that. I think he, <laughs> even within our own fan, fan base, he's got a bad reputation as a, as someone that's not actually as good at. He, he's a seriously good footballer in, and, yeah. and he's so dynamic. And he, like, Gareth, that's perfectly put. Well, both of you, you know, Danish architecture and malleable. You know, it's um, he he he's probably our up there in our top three most important players on the pitch with perhaps Kane and mm-hmm. um, Dyer. Um, you know, he's he he doesn't get the credit that he deserves, I think. Because no. I think I think he gets a lot of stick from our, our fans and opposition fans. But then at the same token, it was rumoured that Real Madrid were after him, you know, and, and I, he's still young enough that he could I get remember that. And I remember that. people chortling. And, and once again, this is yeah. my annual uh, give Jose Mourinho some credit somewhere at some point just to balance uh, your mm. negativity. Uh, you know, that was a Jose signing, as we must always acknowledge or every so often. But what you said about Danish footballers, it's really true. There is a bit of a cliche, isn't there? Because whenever you see a Danish footballer with tattoos or whatever, you do think of them as being a bit mental. There was 
was the mm. um who was the Liverpool centre half? Uh well, um, Agger, Daniel Agger. Dan- Daniel so there was Daniel Agger and then yeah, there was Thomas, Thomas Graveson. Graveson. Graveson, and there was yeah. another guy, Stig, someone who had tattoos and was actually a member of a biker gang. No, 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 not Stig. Yeah, there was another guy who oh. was actually a member of a biker gang, a Danish biker gang. So, yeah, we just, oh. I mean, you're absolutely right, Ram. There is this cliche about tattooed Danish footballers. I mean, we've got Daniel Agger at Liverpool, who was, uh, you know, had the reputation of just being a hatchet man and nothing else. He was actually a pretty good defender. It was Thomas Graveson. You know, there's even this, this guy, Stig Tofting, who played for, for Bolton, who was uh, bald, tattooed, and, and you just looked at him and thought he looked like Angry Anderson from Rose Tattoo. And if you don't know what that looks like, <laughs> you should look it up because it looks like a, looks like a jailhouse jailhouse guy anyway the point being you're right i think he's been thrown in with all of these and we just think of him as a destroyer but repeatedly he chips in with the slide rule passes these little dinks we'll talk about a dink that he put in uh in the next game that we're going to cover tonight mm. um and 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 he's his third goal of the season am i correct yeah yeah yep. so he's adding goals to his game and a, a criticism of him last season was him getting into a couple of incredible positions and not and not finishing them off specifically the one against liverpool when we could have at the death when we could have won it 2-1 um in hindsight it didn't it didn't matter we finished fourth anyway but um he knew but yeah he yeah he knew he knew <laughs> <laughs> In Pierre, we trust. In Pierre, we trust. Um, and, you know, look, a little word about Benton Cole here as well. Yeah. I mean, first of all, the ball that Harry Kane plays at that moment, superb timing yeah. to find Rodrigo. And then Rodrigo, that's a world-class delivery. Beautiful, beautiful delivery. And, um, you know, which, which Hoybier did, it, was, it wasn't the easiest to control because it kind of bounced up to him. But in terms of but the delivery itself was amazing. And Benton Kerr is another, another player who I, this season, watching him on TV, have been a bit like, oh, he's been giving the ball away a lot. Or, you know, he's, he's, he's not been as, uh, as fluid as, as I thought he, he was when he first came. But then watching him live, you realise how good he is. Yeah. Because, because of the, you're not watching him when the ball's with him. You're watching all the other all the other stuff around, you know, when where his positioning, where he's going to be to receive the ball, where he is to just play that one touch pass, and that's what sets him apart. You know, we've called him the Berbatov of midfield on he, this pod before, and oh, he's, he's just beautiful. He's smooth like velvet. He's a commodore. He's easy like yeah. Sunday morning. That guy. I mean, <laughs> he's just he's fantastic on the ball. You mentioned the the little bobble there. This is one of my nitpicking things. The ball was bobbling a little bit at that end. Damari Gray had it happen to him in the first half. He hopped up. I mean, yeah. is it just a very quick little question that might make the edit or might not? I think it's interesting. Do you think that, you know, with all the action that that field gets going in and out and in and out, that there's a little bit of chop and change on, on it? I mean, you know, it was being used for NFL recently. Do you think so? Think, or am I just fishing? Am I fishing I, for excuses for poor I control? Think, I think when you think about the amount of money we've spent on on that on the whole system, I would say that we've probably there's a, there's an enormous amount of money that's being spent on making sure that the pitch itself, yeah. you know, when they swap brown and stuff like that, they they're cultivated and kept in yeah. in near mint condition. Um, but. But I'm just being a, nice and making excuses, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. I will just say that I'm being charitable. Okay. Uh, one other thing I do think we should mention because he has been getting strangely some flack this season, but I just felt sunny again today, yeah. especially when we went to the three, five, two. I mean, he was just his movement, his aggression, maybe a little greedy at the end there when he could have fed Ivan Perisic in, but he's, he really looked up for it today. I felt, I feel yeah. that he's, pretty much back where we want him would you guys agree 
certainly based on Wednesday night, I think he was. Uh, he didn't have a lot in front of goal that went for him tonight. I think there was, was there a cross from the left that he didn't really get a good connection off of a header from sort of fairly close range. But yeah, the, he, this season when it's not worked for him, he's maybe taken a touch too many. Um, his control's been poor and that certainly wasn't the case. Today, said he just. I, I imagine um, if you looked at his xG today, it would have been pretty minimal because yeah, there wasn't too much that happened in front of goal for him. But he was certainly a, a, a big part of the team, and he um, seemed to hit his stride, and that helped with the overall flow. Two more final questions, and then we'll move on. Was this our most controlled and assured performance of the season in the Premiership, chaps? I thought it was. I, th- I think it's up there. You know, I don't know how much of that is down to Everton being a bit dour and defensive that, you know, we were able to go through the motions, but I don't want to take anything away from our performance because we were comfortable and assured in the way that we should have been in that, you know, in the, in the previous game. And, um, and yeah, so I, th- I think it is up there with one of our best performances. Uh, we think things clicked. Even when things that that's the beauty of this Conte team when we play to what how he wants us to play. Even when things aren't clicking, they're clicking. Yes, if, if that makes any no, sense. No, it makes whatsoever. total sense. The system is set up to give comfort when there's dysfunction. Lovely. I I actually thought that today's performance was similar to the one at Brighton last week, where I thought again we largely looked in control of that one. I think maybe our most fluent performance was Southampton on the opening day, at least for a good hour of that one. Uh, that's the one when we really hit top gear. Um, but look, the, 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 the signs are over the last few Premier League games that we can control games in a way that it didn't look like we were at the start of the season. So that's got to be a good thing. Yeah, and I think it is once again very important to understand that, that you know, when we talk about this as the most controlled and assured performance of the season, quite possibly uh, in the Premiership, it is you know, in the way that we play football, uh, which is not necessarily the way other people play football. So uh, that is important to remember. Uh, Finally, uh, I think you've already sort of given your views on this, Ram, but feel free to chip in with another 10 10 pence worth. Uh, Everton chaps, what do we think? Uh, I think they're much better than they were last season. And I know that's a pretty low benchmark to be judging them against, but they, they, they've definitely got far more of a defensive structure this year. And I, I think, you know, historically, you know, if teams do have a decent defensive structure, then they'll probably be all right. I mean, they've actually got some good players. I've, not so much today, but Onana's impressed me this season. I, th- I think he's a good player. Uh, I think Idrissa Gay coming back is, is good news for them. And I think they've got two sort of sensible and stable central defenders as well. If they can get Calvert-Lewin back fit, he'll always get them a goal. So I think they'll be around mid-table all season, which maybe in the grand scheme of things is, is not quite what they want to achieve. But in the in the position they've been in last season, I think that would be progress for them this year. I agree with all of that. Um, and I think they came with a game plan and for 40 my, 45 minutes, they did well with that game plan. You know, so give them credit for that. Um, they're just a bit dull. They are dull, aren't they? It was a bit dull. I mean, we're probably ha- lucky that Anthony Gordon didn't play today. I mean, he livens yeah. them up a little bit. But yes, they were just dull. Um, closing thoughts, one positive and one negative in 30 seconds. Three, two, one. Gareth. Uh, so the uh, positive is the fact that we can flip between 3-4-3 and 3-5-2 fairly effortlessly. Um, the negative for me, and uh, just a 
suspicion I've got is whether Richarlison's hitting the golden jury syndrome, which is where you score quite early on in your career and therefore you get that monkey off your back. But then it's quite a long time before you end up scoring again. So he's scored twice in 13 appearances now, but of course those two goals were just in the same game. And I just think he might need, he might be out for an, for a while now that might even take him up to the World Cup, but he will come to a point where he starts, needs for, even for his own confidence to start scoring again and get a regular run of goals to fulfill his purpose in the team. That's an interesting point, Gareth. Um, one, I won't delve into too much now, but I kind of, I think I agree with you. Um, one positive, uh, that midfield trio of uh, Basuma, Benton, Corpier, um, Pierre Hoybieg. I think that uh, that was a real positive for me because Basuma came in and did what he needed to do, uh, what we want him to do. And then Benton, Cor and Hoybier, um, their link-up play, especially for the goal, was fantastic. Um, and the negative was also uh, based around Richardson, but it's just his injury. I think, you know, it's, it's a shame that we're getting Decky back and then Richardson might be out now, um, which is, you know, it's never good because the whole point of having that kind of rotation was we had those options, you know, in and out uh, to come in and out. So all, all the best to him. I really hope this doesn't mean he misses the World Cup. I hope it's just something minor and, you know, and, and he comes back and hopefully he uh, he can start scoring more goals for us. Yeah, I think the positive for me is that we are able to play at cruise control um, during this horrendous run of games. Uh, we were able to play at cruise control for, you know, good 40 minutes um and be in control of the game without exerting ourselves too much i think that's going to be vital uh going forward as we continue to plow our way through this mini season huge positive that we can do that and come away with a good result uh and like yourself ram the negative is is richarlison's injury terrible to see it i also feel sorry for him in a double sense in the uh, so much as you know, he hasn't had a chance to operate in his favourite position, which I think might contribute mm. some mm. to why we're not seeing him uh, get as many scoring opportunities as we might want. Because he's doing a, he sacrificed himself for the team, I think, right now. Yeah. And you know, given that, uh, you know, on top of that, this injury, um, it's going to feel pretty, yeah, pretty sad for him tonight. But let's hope that tomorrow's scan gives him better news and that he will make the World Cup. Before we get into earlier in the week, I, I want to kind of revive something that we've, you know, we used to do. Um, a little palate cleanser, if you will. Uh, you're going to have to sink into fantasy land a bit here. Um, it is that question that we slide in a little bit about you, for our listeners, so on. I just want to know, with each of you, who of the current Spurs squad do you think you most resembled as a park footballer? Or who do you think you most resemble as a current footballer when you play? Your five aside or seven aside or whatever you play on a Tuesday, Wednesday night. Okay. In my head, if it's current footballers, in my head, I think I'm Hoybier. Um, but in practice, probably Royale. Um, so I'm, I'm, fa- I'm fairly solid defensively, get a bit of a nosebleed when I get a bit high up the pitch um, and not the most comfortable on the ball. But every so often I pull off a flick or a trick that gives me cult hero status for a portion of the game. I like that. That's that's good. Um, well, I'm going to say, looking down the squad list at the moment, um, probably Harvey White, because he got about as much game time as I used to get. So. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> Very good. All right. But, but seriously, stylistically, when you're on the ball, so, Gareth, who, who do you what? most play like? I, well, if I think back to my best season, which I'm sure is still spoken about in Southern Amateur League circles, and my <laughs> my nine goals in the 2000-2001 season 
playing from midfield. I suppose it's probably Hoiberg as well as a, a free goal scoring midfielder. But I did used to pick the team, which meant that I also used to take all the corners and penalties. So <laughs> that padded that slightly. <laughs> Stat padding Gareth, that's good. Yeah. Well, in my head, I am uh, any combination of uh, of, of Harry Kane, uh, Sung Young Min, and Richarlison uh, when he's scoring. I'm all of them. Uh, you know, when I'm winning my one on ones, I mean, I actually ludicrously messaged our thread after Sonny's fantastic yeah. volley we're about to talk about to say I scored one like that on a Tuesday. Of course, uh, the context was slightly different and it was probably in about 20 times slower motion, but you won't convince me of that. Uh, the player I probably resemble the most is uh, in the current squad was Tongi and Dombele in training. That's probably the truth. Um, a lazy and suicent sod um, and with possibly the mouth of Pierre-Emile Hoybier on me. But frankly, if I had been remotely good enough to be as lazy as Tongi was in training, sometimes it would have been several stations above my level. Yeah. No, I made Mickey Quinn look like Pele, mate. That's the truth. So, all right, so let's move on to that game that we've been edging at for the for the whole pod. Uh, it was a, it was a topsy turvy one, wasn't it? Midweek at, at the at the soon to be perhaps Google Stadium, but still the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium against Frankfurt. We did end up prevailing and taking control of our Champions League group with a three two victory. But mm. What do we want to say about this? Uh, let's, I suppose, how did we play overall? I mean, just give your your memories of the game, your impressions. I think I, like, I was there along with Gareth, but I think we can de- deconstruct the overall play into thirds. So the first 10 to 15, we were a bit cumbersome, which is probably more to do with Frankfurt starting off very brightly and pushing forward, um, unlike the last game. Uh, and then for 60 odd minutes in each half, we took control of the game. Uh, so overall, within each half, um, I thought we responded to their first goal very well and it gave us the kick up the arse that we needed. Um, I think we ended up scoring three goals in 16 minutes and Kane and Son connected again magnificently. And then in equally magnificent fashion, we managed to make a very comfortable evening against a weaker team with a man down as uncomfortable as possible. Um, so we sat back, let them back into it with the second goal and then quite possibly the most bizarre two-minute passage of play where he'll look like Messi incarnate and only for Kane to miss a penalty that he'll provided for him and then blast across about 10 feet over the head of Gil, who's possibly one of the smallest players on Watching the, ever. Watching him fly in and try <laughs> yeah. and make a head in contact with Bless that him. was yeah. brilliant. What comedy. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I actually did burst out laughing. Yeah. He's <laughs> was right in so front of me and I was like, <laughs> I've never seen 60,000 Spurs fans not even react because they were just so shocked. They were like, what on earth has just happened? And um, But we held on and we put ourselves in a strong position in the group. There's a great little video clip as well of, of, of Hill right after he's thrown himself at that ball and he's about to turn around and give a giant bollocking to the person who put the ball in. And then he's just seen it's Harry Kane. Oh, well, yeah, I, I, I'm very close. Unlucky. It's so very good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but my my take on it, I think Ram's absolutely right to split it into the three segments. Yeah, there was the, there was the, there was the bit at the start where we were frustratingly, I think, pensive and seemingly on the on the back foot. But um, but you know, when they scored, you thought, you know, this is going to be one of those nights. I've I've had got this theory that um, the Adidas ball that they use in the Champions League, it takes us a long time to adjust to. Now I say that um, sort of probably. 50% tongue-in-cheek. But I do genuinely think there's something in that. If you watch some of our Champions League games, it does take us a while to get 
Yeah. yeah, pass the ball correctly or control right. it. It seems to bounce I off like them this. for a while. Is, and that's different. That's are there true, different Gareth. grooves? That Premiership ball's got all those dimples and rimples and whatever else. It's it a, has it, it, that Nike well, and Nike and. But what's the what is the 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 actual configuration of that Adidas ball? Like, does it have I, grooves or just panels or? But it, 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 will, it will have different stitching and different panelling. And you know, cricket enthusiasts here will talk about the difference no, between I... the Kookaburra ball and the Duke ball whenever you play in the Ashes, which is why the home team often I do better it. on that one because it, yeah. it takes a while to get used to the to the ball. But yeah, genuinely, that was what was coming to my mind because we were just misplacing mm. passes and balls were bouncing off players' shins. Um, and I think this has happened in the Champions League previously with us as well so it really just did take time to, to adjust to that um, and it certainly wasn't inevitable that we were going to equalise particularly when we when we did because it really came out of nothing but once we did get that goal that seemed to settle us completely and I think Frankfurt was slightly showing up for the for the team of the, the, at the level they were and we were, we were very good but the end of the game is just that reminder about at that level particularly football can just happen to you sometimes and I suppose yeah. the, the, you know, the, the, the flip version of that was the bail hat-trick in San Siro where Milan went 4-0 up and against 10 men and quite understandably completely just shut off and then say yeah. football can happen to you either you can make a mistake or start a player can score an incredible goal and it's very difficult to then wrestle the momentum back well, before we get into that, because it is a very important question, I want to make sure that our listeners know that you're not completely crackers for going on about balls and different balls, because Adidas are the company that in 2010 created the Jabulani, if you remember, for the 2010 oh, yeah. World Cup. And the keepers were complaining about it being a little swervier and lighter and so on. So, you know, they have previous with this sort of like mm. ball chicanery. I like it. I'm, anytime <laughs> we have anytime we have a, 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 a shit performance in the Champions League, I'm not saying this was, but I, I, I'm going to be looking to the configuration of the ball. So, uh, yeah, you might have a point. I'm going to be studying one of those balls mm. later. I mean, they do train with the um, Adidas balls. You, you, so you'll see them in training from maybe two Shh. days beforehand. But that's not, that ruins, that don't ruins, say that, that ruins the no, narrative, but Gareth. <laughs> you just <laughs> set up a wonderful narrative and now you're just shooting it in the foot with common sense. No. No, but, they're still, but you're still not going to be that familiar with it. If you're used to kicking a night ball around for 300 mm -hmm. days a year and then you've yes. got this other ball for 10% of that time, Wholly it is going to make a difference. Yeah, I mean, I, going to what you said about momentum, and I think one of the things that was interesting was that Conte himself was talking about how loopy it was at the end and how everyone kind of switched off. He included himself in that. Um, I think he does have to take some responsibility. I don't think we should ever be on a football pitch without either Dyer or Hoybier on. Uh, one of them has to be on at all times uh, until such a time as we have a leader of that stature on the pitch. He took them both off, I thought that that was an enormous uh, gaffe, maybe, on his part. Um, what did you think were the two biggest lessons that we would have learnt from that final 11 minutes? I mean, I'll go, I'll throw this into the mix. No, no, I'll just throw this into the mix. Eric Dyer is, right now, the most irreplaceable player we have at the football club. True or false? That was, what, that was one of the things I learnt. What do you think? I think if you're playing a three, back three, then yeah, he is. He's irreplaceable because of his leadership um, and how he marshals that defence and then everything in front of him. And I, I had that on, uh, as my, you know, kind of the two biggest lessons. One of them was don't take Dyer off <laughs> when we're, uh, you know, and, and I, I, I forgot we'd taken Hoybier off as well. And I, 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 I think I agree, Steph. I, th I think you can't take both of those off because we haven't, Harry's not the most vocal leader, um, you know, even though he's the captain and, um, Sorry, he's not the captain. He's the the, the uh, club captain. Isn't so I, I said that last week. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But when you're and also when you're playing against ten men at three one up, just keep hold of the ball and do the basics right. That's that's all that that's like bare minimum stuff. We and then we're comfortable. Um, so that and you know this isn't this isn't park football where we we all think we're Hoybier or or an amalgamation of our front three. This is the Champions League. You can't afford to switch off and and start coasting. Um, so yeah, they'd be my two. Yeah, I don't think I can add to that really. I think you're absolutely right that maybe you take off one of Hoiberg or what or Dyer, but not taking both of them off was um, it was a problem. Um, I, I totally get, and I think probably everyone in the stadium was you know was calling for him to start resting players and to give them a break. Yeah. And also, it seemed like a really good opportunity in a competitive environment to give a bit more match practice to play in that 3-5-2 system. Uh, there was yeah. probably too many variables thrown in that Skip came on and it's, it was his first game, or first time he'd come on for a while as, as well. So there was perhaps all these sorts of things which doing it all at the same time was a, you know, was, was a problem. Had we been 4-1 up, probably wouldn't have mattered, but... Three one and that two goal margin. We've been on the real wrong end of it. We've also been on the right end of it. Funny things can happen in football. Yes, Gareth, and that just you just reminded me at one, at one point towards the end of the game, Harry got kicked again, um, or I think he got his ankle done or something. And we were all saying, "Get him off, get him off." You know, we're three one up. We're down, they're mm. down to ten men. Let's rest him now. But he stayed on. And actually, what I do think, and I preface this saying that Harry Kane is is a world class footballer and one of the greatest we've ever had. Had we taken him off, I think whoever replaced him to take the penalty would have scored. And I think they, whoever had been in his position to pass to Gil probably would have laid it along the ground mm. nice and softly for him to go to, uh, yeah. to put, so it would have been 5-1, but, you know, ifs and buts. Yeah. So just so that I have got something original to say in the question, what have we learned about it? It's that the standard of refereeing in, in oh. European competition oh. is so up and down. I mean, oh, that guy, oh, I'm word. guessing the guy who refereed, he was a Spanish referee, so... The fact that he's doing Champions League means he must have been refereeing Barcelona and Real Madrid and Atletico fairly regularly. So you'd expect a certain level of competence because he should be level to it. But he was... Yeah, and you can get (laughs) characters like this who referee in a completely unorthodox manner and How that politely can cause confusion unorth- as well. An unorthodox <laughs> manner. What a way with words you have. Carry yeah. on. <laughs> the so the, the the penalty that he didn't give and needed VAR to instruct him to give the penalty. Everyone in the stadium knew straight away that was a penalty. And you How Ray them- Charles rung VAR from the grave to say, I saw that and he woke me up. What are you talking about? It's ridiculous. <laughs> and then the incredibly clumsy sending off that he gave, and to be fair, if you remember, the he had to be Kane reminded was, he'd booked he the did, guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, Kane had been found on the halfway line, and he very correctly allowed an advantage to go, and the ball got switched to Sonny, who was then fouled. So it's a, I guess, a peculiar set of circumstances where, having given the advantage and knowing you're going to caution someone, you then find reason to caution somebody else. But yeah, it was it was such a clumsy um, way method of getting to what was the right result, and then he got. He got fooled, didn't he, by the other defender who yes. also should have received a second yellow yes. card, the Sabi, yes. about five minutes afterwards, who then went down injured and eventually got yes. substituted. And he should have been shown a second yellow off. card. Immediately off, second yellow. It was so obvious that referee was an absolute clown. And, you know, we shouldn't complain about refs, but we will in this case because yeah. he was bozo, right? I mean, it was awful. If if we had if we had drawn that game or lost, and those same set of events had happened, we'd be talking about the ref most of this chat. 
Yes. That's how bad he was. But it's, he's just been let off because we won. Yes. It's put us in the driving seat for our Champions League game. Um, I'm going to throw this uh, uh, this one out. Do you think that uh, the upcoming game that we have against Sporting Lisbon is, you know, our most important game of the next five or six we've got to play? It's essentially a mini cup final. Win this. We earn ourselves a, a you know a relative uh, day off in in Marseille, a little bit of rest, a little bit of respite. Well, that's got to be the target. The target's got to be getting getting it all sewn up before match day six for I can think of a variety of different reasons, but certainly preservation of, of, of players is is quite high up on that one. Um, sporting having looked fairly decent against us, although I really think that was a that was a that was a toss of a coin game in the end. Have obviously dropped results against Marseille, who we expected to be the cannon fodder in the group. So this is a really topsy-turvy group and, and has been almost since the first ball, first Adidas ball was kicked off um, back in back at the start of September. So I'd like to think with home advantage would be okay. Yeah, I think we, we need to treat it like a cup final and I think we need to, we do need to go out and, and, and just and end it, basically win it and, and then we can rest players for Marseille because after that we've got Liverpool um, so that's going to be a huge game for us in the league. And I think the league is, we need to keep our momentum up there because I don't think, obviously, I think City are going to win the league. But for bragging rights and just in general, we need to show that we're the best of the rest. And there's a certain other club um, down the road from us that we need to kind of keep the momentum on. Um, so that Liverpool game's huge. And also it keeps Liverpool away from us as well because they're, they're very capable of just it clicking and then going on a massive um, winning run. Um, so yeah, let's let's get the job done against Sporting at home. Uh, and they've got three players missing. They've got three important players missing in their in their first team at the moment. So it's it's a brilliant opportunity for us. Um, and then kick on from there. We should pay homage to the strike of that Adidas Champions League ball by Son Young Min. A fantastic volley from a cheeky dinker by Pierre Emile Hoybier. We referred to Pierre's cheeky dinking earlier in the pod, and this is one of those fine examples. Wonderful pace on that pass. Dink. Larrap. Oof. That's what it looked like to me in sound. <laughs> what did it look like in the stadium? Come on. What happened? What was the reaction? How did it feel? It's you know, one of those net bulges where you, it just comes off the, the middle of the boot. Um, magnificently. The power doesn't come from backlit. The power just comes from getting exactly the right technique. Yeah. So that's the lesson for any youngsters listening <laughs> who may have watched well, that. And you well don't need stated. the long backlift. Yeah. No, well stated. And, well, it's so we saw one in the Everton game today, didn't we? Kane hit a volley that Pickford saved just before the first goal, which was yeah. exactly mm. the same. It's just about the timing of it. Mm. Techers, I believe we call it. It was so good, and I kind of I uh, that we there were replays on in the stadium as well, and you know, and you could see everyone was just transfixed to the screens um, because it, it happened, and I think it was more of a wallop than a larrup, but uh, like but I'm, I'm happy, with, I'm, I'm easy to go with with either one, um, but yeah, I, I I kind of I just turned around to my mates, who, you know, I was in the stadium, I was watching it with, and I went. That was a goal. That was a goal. <laughs> I think you're very right because Larrap suggests sort of lucky or lumpy. Yeah, definitely. But, yeah, you know, it's not but Wallop but is like wallop. wonderful. You know? meant it. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. So yeah, I agree yeah. with that. Um, look, I, I think it's you know when it comes comes to Frankfurt, I think we'd all agree. 
you know, they're a, a solid uh, Europa League team. Uh, they are the sort of team, I believe, that we should be beating uh, in the Champions League. Uh, albeit, I do think this, this group has always been a little tougher than everyone thought, precisely because I think they are all very, very tough sort of upper-level Europa League sides who are going to give you a hard game. There's going to be a little flair. They're going to be very, very mm. technical and very, very, you know, utilitarian in their approach. And I think that's what Frankfurt were. But I did feel it should have been more comfortable than it was. It wasn't. I think we'll have learned good lessons from that last uh, 12 minutes. So we're in charge and it looks like we're going to take it. I think we are going to win that game against Sporting. So, yeah. Well, yeah. there we are. Nope, nope, nope. In you come. No, I was, I was going to say we've been reliably informed, haven't we, that Sporting will have players missing for that game when they come over to us, including the goalkeeper. We did, we did have a message from the sky, did we not? A voice, a voice from the clouds, if you will. Maybe a pod god. Is that what we would call that voice that we that occasionally floats into our ears and tells us these facts that we do not know? Who knows? I am not one to question. Uh, I just enjoy the fact that it, it hits us. The information comes. Thank you, Pod God. But yes, they will have their keeper out. As you said, Ram, got to be big. <laughs> unless their second keeper is better than the first, in which case all of this means nothing. We're going to win. It doesn't matter. Antonio's machine will keep on steamrolling. It's looking good. I think we'd all agree this has been another uh, really excellent week. And again, since since Gian, uh, Gian's passing, uh, you know, that's three for three, right? These boys are determined. So anyway, thank you very much, chaps. Been good to see you both again. Thanks, Steph. Cheers, Steph. Excellent. Uh, we will, as you will have gathered, be back next week to discuss our games against Manchester United and Newcastle. Uh, yep, as we've been saying, these games certainly aren't letting up in intensity. We're going to need every ounce and inch of the squad's energy to maintain what has been our best ever start to a Premier League season. Take note, everyone. We'd love it if you could leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify or recommend us to your Spurs supporting and other friends. It helps us keep growing. And by the way, we appreciate all the support from our regular listeners worldwide. So thank you all very much. Keep on tuning in. We'll keep on being here and recording as always. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.